Good morning to each one of you. Just a warning to the chorister. You may need to um, jump at the drop of a hat. And Daryl said it was a bit of a cold, and it was in the very beginning, but it's not more, it is a lot more than a bit now. <laughs> anyway, I do appreciate your prayers, and I hope by, uh, by God's spirit and his power <clears throat> that uh, we can hear some truth from God's word, not from me, but from the truth of God's word. As we approach the Christmas season, we have ideas of how and what Christmas is about. And the title of the message this morning is, Of a Truth. We've been taught to be truthful people. And we know what truth is. And even from little up, when truth is not shared forth, because of the, the, the provision of our conscience, uh, we're smitten. Because I remember as a small child, a small child, not telling the truth. And even through some of my older years, I remember and felt the the guilt or whatever you want to call it of not being truthful. We trust people, <clears throat> and we live in a conservative area. Yet in this United States. And we're taught, for the most part, that people are truthful. But I want us to think about this. Mankind today, in their human nature, is no different today, even though we have the advances of modern society. Man today is no different in his physical, emotional, mental, spiritual makeup than he was many, many years ago. You know, we have been taught about Jesus being born of a virgin. We read that very plainly in Scripture. We read of him being laid in a manger. We read of his prophecies concerning the fulfillment of those things and the many, many events that encircle Jesus' birth. We read God's Word and declare that it is truth. But I wanted to ask a couple of questions today. This spurs from, spurs from Renee coming home from school the other day. And Renee said to me the other day when she came home from school, she said, Daddy, how many wise men were there? I was like, hmm, that's an interesting question. So how many wise men were there? Three? How many of y'all think there were three wise men? At least. But does Scripture really say that there were three? It doesn't. It basically says that they gave three gifts. Right? Okay. Did Mary ride a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem? How many of y'all think she did? 
How many think she didn't? Are very noncommittal. When you picture Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, do you picture them on a long journey alone? How many of you all picture them by themselves? Two people and a donkey. Her riding, Joseph walking. How many of you all picture that? That would have been very dangerous. Do you all know how far it was from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Yeah. About 95 to 100 miles. And walking, do you know how long that would take? About 8 to 10 days. And it says in Scripture in Luke 2, and y'all, I want y'all to turn there with me. We're going to be reading from Luke 2 today. And what I want us to think about is, do you already have your viewpoint of Jesus' birth established in your mind where you're not open to what is really in Scripture? And I think too often we are, our viewpoint is formed by the society that we live in, and we have this preconceived ideas of how these things are or were taught to us, and we actually miss the truth. And that's why I titled this message of a truth. How many of you all think that Joseph was a young man? Well, we know Mary was a young person. But I have read some other accounts that maybe say, and I don't know this for a fact, that maybe he was an older man and even a widower. Anyway, and I'm not going to go there. Just, Just something to think about. In my mind growing up, I have this mental picture of Joseph and Mary on a journey all by themselves. Mary riding a donkey, Joseph walking along beside. And this, and then I have this picture of them, in my mind, of them looking down on Jerusalem at their last little leg of the journey. How many of y'all have that picture? That's interesting. Do you picture a happy couple on this journey? It may have been, but it was probably a lot of work, too. And I imagine it was very tiresome. And it says in Luke that she was great with child. I read in here that it says all of the world was taxed. Where does it say that? Okay, verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was the first made by when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now, think about this. Mary and Joseph were of the line of David. They were supposed to go to the city of David, which was Jerusalem, Bethlehem, to be taxed. It says, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
we read later on in Scripture when Jesus was sitting in the temple and he was misplaced for three days and they went back and found him. They were traveling with a whole caravan of people. And I would imagine that this caravan was probably in effect at this time as well. There were a lot of Joseph and Mary's family that were of the line of David that were probably traveling. And again, I don't see that verbatim in Scripture. But it says here, And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. We all have these preconceived ideas. When Joseph and Mary appeared at that inn door, what do you picture? And they appeared there. Picture them knocking at the door, someone coming and opening the door, instead of them saying, there's no room here. That's kind of what I picture. Why wouldn't they have had, being her being great with child, why wouldn't they have had a little bit of special treatment? She was great with child. She was traveling with probably friends and family that were of the tribe and lineage of David. Why wouldn't they have gotten some special treatment? Think about her circumstances. She was with child before they were married. And so the stigma of her would have been disgrace. And even of Joseph, it would have been a disgrace. Why would they have not had special treatment? I'm not sure. But at that time, I think it would have been she was disgraced as a person, as a woman. What was the stable like in your mind? Was it well lit? Fresh hay and straw? What do you think? Were, that's correct. I have read that in some instances that these were dugouts back into the side of a hill. Were there sheep and cows and pigeons or doves and donkeys and Hubert the camel? Were they there? Was the stable a pleasant place for them to go? Well, I think as we look at this, I think we need to remember that we need to dig into what the Word of God says, and we need to search out what the truth of God says. In Second Timothy, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. What is truth? We believe that God's word is truth, and yet so often we take the society's viewpoint the Christmas season, and, and that is imprinted in our mind. 
Was Jesus born on December 25? Likely not. I have read some that say it would have been fall in September, and some say in the spring. And again, I don't really know that. And that's really not the point. But the point is that we get these preconceived ideas because of what we're taught, what society even says to us. It was interesting. One comment was made about the wise men coming and that Daniel possibly would have been the head of the Magi and it would have been an oral tradition passed down from that. And as I was looking just a little bit in the book of Daniel after I heard that comment, it says in chapter 5 of Daniel, Verse 10, it says, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master over magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. So he was the head of the wise men. Now, whether that was at that specific spot, we don't know. But Daniel prophesied and preached and shared his visions of the future and what would happen. And again, some of those things. I didn't study out. <clears throat> Was Mary's journey as a as a woman great with child, a pleasant journey. Now again, I think we need to consider her and the distance and the caravan and the people and even the disgrace that she bore. I think it would have probably been even though she was overjoyed that she was carrying the Christ child, the disgrace maybe would have caused some weight. And I know that each one of us when we feel condemned or something by other people, it often bears a, a heavy load on us. I remember years ago when Paula was expecting one of our children, and I'm not sure how many years ago it was, but we went bouncing back the road of Union Spring, Springs back to Black's Run Cabin. And those rocks that, you know, we were we were driving in a Ford pickup truck that was, had decent suspension, but as over those bumps we went, and it was uncomfortable for her. And I remember that, and I thought about that as I was preparing this message this morning, that it was probably uncomfortable for Mary to be traveling in this way. 
and yet it was life. It was what they endured. It was what they were a part of. When you picture the inn, again, I wanted to ask the question, was it a pleasant place? In our barn, well, let me back up just a little bit. In my mind, I picture clean straw, new hay, uh, the cattle and all the animals standing around quietly watching it, looking towards Joseph and Mary and the manger, the baby Jesus. That's what I picture in my mind. I picture the dove or the, the pigeon up in the roost quietly cooing. But was it like that? Because in our barn, there is the smell of hay, but there's the smell of other things as well. And there's cobwebs. And when we go in the barn, the pigeons fly out. And all of those other things. Was it a pleasant place? I would probably say it maybe wasn't the most pleasant place. And I want you to think about this, ladies. You birthing a newborn son, your first child, and you wrapping that child in, in strips of cloth or however they did it, and then lying that child in a manger where cattle snooted or horses or whatever. And again, it could have been a manger that was full of fresh, clean straw or hay. But the matter of fact is, we have a preconceived idea. But is it really the truth? Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now think about the message that these shepherds received. Think about these men out in the darkness of night, and all of a sudden this huge bright light comes shining upon them. How would you respond to that? And then this announcement that this book today is born in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And them telling them that the sign was going to be that there would be a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. How would a king come like that? But they went forth in faith, believing, because of the sight that they saw, because of the voice that they heard, but also because of something possibly that they were looking forward to. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They did not say, let's go and see if this is actually true. 
let's go and see if what we heard is really the truth. They said, let us go and see this thing that has come to pass by faith. They moved forward believing what is true. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. What would you believe? If someone that was in dirty clothes, that was shepherding sheep, came to you and said, we had this announcement out in the in the pasture with our sheep. These angels appeared to us and said, Messiah is born, the King of Kings. And we went and saw him. It says they proclaimed this. And they made known this saying abroad concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. What would you believe? Verse 19 says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and was told unto them. To them, this was true. To them, this was actual, factual. And then we fast forward from that day, some 30-some years, and you have Jesus completing his work here on this earth. The truth of the message of redemption through Jesus Christ, the, the, the promised Messiah, had come to be. This message was accepted by a few. In the masses of people then, it was accepted by a few. But think about the religious leaders. They were taught and read and knew what the thing, the prophecies were of Scripture. But they had preconceived ideas of how it was going to be and how he would come and what he would be and how he would deliver them. And the Jews felt the same. And yet, he came. But he didn't come to follow their preconceived ideas. He came to follow the plan of God the Father, to be rejected of men, to be beaten and spit upon and crucified. And a select few people caught that message. A select few people embraced that faith and then were like the shepherds and shared that with those around. And I'm sure that many wondered, what is this guy talking about? They said this. They believed this. But I'm not sure. Because this is what I believe. There were many that missed the message because of those preconceived ideas. But then we go to the John 18. I want you to turn there with me, if you will. I marvel sometimes at Pilate. 
and I see him somewhat not only politically weak, but sometimes almost as a victim. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Does then, verse, verse 28, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the house of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. These were the Jews, the religious leaders. These were the people that had said Hosanna to the highest the week or so before. And now they're calling this Messiah, this king, this person whom they thought would come in strength and power and set up that kingdom and deliver his people. They were calling him a malefactor because of false accusations that they themselves set up. Then Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. They were already suggesting in themselves, This is what this man deserves because of what he has declared. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and he called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests, the people that were supposed to lead the nation in believing in the Messiah and how he would come and how where he would when he would come and how he would come and proclaim this to the people. Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus' response was such as I marvel. It says and Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate, and I can imagine this conversation going back and forth. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus explained to him, this is why he came that he was his kingdom was not from this place. And Pilate said to him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What is truth? That is something I ask you today. What is truth? 
when we have these preconceived ideas, when we think about Jesus coming again, when we think about sin and repentance and confession and getting right with God, we put a high emphasis on being born again. And that's good. It goes further than just being born again. It goes further than just believing. It goes further than confessing our sins. But it goes further into obedience in life every day. Following Christ every day. Pilate saith unto him, this is a famous statement, what is truth? Truth is a strong affirmation. It is a body of real things, events, and facts. It's actual things. It's the state of being the case. It's a fact. It's a transcendent, fundamental, or spiritual reality. That is what truth is. It is an idea that is true or accepted as true. That is what truth is. Truth is God. It's one of the, one of the latter definitions of truth. And I found that very interesting that it was put towards the end. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault. I see nothing wrong here. But ye have a custom that I should release. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And I think that Pilate in this time had really discovered. And I don't know how much he had discovered. But because of the dream of his wife, because of what Jesus had shared, because he saw no fault in him, I wonder if Pilate was so close to believing. I don't know that. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? In my mind, he saw no reason to condemn Jesus. But he presented to them Barabbas, a man who was notorious as a robber. To me, the choice would be very simple in my mind. They cried again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. When Pilate was exposed to the truth and the contrast between what is true and false, I see here that he attempted to free Jesus. And he was faced with a decision. And as it turned out, his decision was the fulfillment of the truth of God's word. In turning Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified, Pilate earned his spot in history as a political figure who was caught in the middle, able to free him 
but not willing to stand up against the tide, not willing to really face the truth. His response was, what is truth? The message of the gospel we have before us this Christmas season is the good news of Jesus Christ coming as a babe in a manger. But it wasn't that he came as a babe in a manger, but he came as king of kings, the Messiah that would deliver mankind from their sins and build a right, bring back a right relationship between mankind and God the Father, a holy God. We look at this through the eyes of modern society, and often our viewpoints are skewed. Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Jesus came to restore that relationship. Jesus came to fulfill a perfect plan of redemption, shed his blood. What is truth? Is it our preconceived ideas, or is it when we dig into the truth of Scripture to see what it really is speaking to our hearts? Second Timothy, it says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. What is truth? Something that is of God. Whether our preconceived ideas steer us that way or steer us away from that, it will not change the fact of the truth of God's Word and His plan for mankind and for your salvation personally. We have our own ideas, but only the ideas that we have that line up with God's Word are going to help us find our way to that narrow way through Jesus Christ. So my question and my challenge to you, what is truth? Find it. Right here. God bless you.